0: So go ahead and grab out your Bibles. Something to take some notes with. Uh, If you'd like to fill in the blank notes, you can pull up the Victory Church app. Uh, We have all of the verses and points that I'm going to make today there for you. It's a very easy way. I like to fill in the blank, so we provide that every Sunday. Uh, If you want to pull that up, if you'd like me to tell you what to write down. If you want to write down your own notes, that's fine as well. If you don't take notes, just... Jot something down, all right? It's going to be gonna be great together, all right? It is amazing to start on. I'm excited to start a series in the brand new year. Um, this is always a clean slate. How many know we serve the God who invented like a fresh start? Any of you guys know that, right? The Bible says it's because of His compassions we're not consumed. It's because of the Lord's great mercy uh, that we're not consumed. His compassions, His mercies are new every morning. So every day is a brand new slate with God. Every day is a fresh start. And so as we start the brand new year, I thank God for a chance uh, to have a fresh start, but also to have his mercy and his compassion that sustain us. And so a fresh start, a lot of times if you've been through something or you've endured or maybe you have done something and you needed a clean slate or you went through something and you needed a fresh start, his compassions. I love the way the Bible says it, that his compassions are new, that his mercies are new that we can run to him in this new year. Even if it's a fresh start, we know we can fall on his grace and his mercy. And so I'm excited to start this out. And so I hope in the brand new year, you've got some goals. Uh, You've got some things that maybe you're putting into place. You've got some things you want to hit for the new year, some goals you have, maybe to sleep a little less or to sleep a little more. I don't know your life. I don't know what you're going through, but maybe you have some goals to get your body into shape or maybe to eat less junk food, whatever it is. Maybe you set some things to accomplish in the brand new year that you're praying in through that, you're going, and I'm just praying that it is the best year of your life. And here's what I believe, and honestly, I say this every year. If you have been around here for whatever amount of time, you understand that I will say this every single January, and I believe it's true that it will be the best year of your life if it's the best year of your life spiritually. If you draw close to God, if you pursue Him more than you ever have in your life before, it will be the best year of your life, relationally, emotionally, spiritually. It's the best way to live your life, and so we always want to come alongside of you uh, and give you a little bit of momentum in doing that. It's what we do in January, and so in this month, in these 21 days, it's going to be January 7th today through January 27th. Now, I gave you a little bit of warning last week, so when we announce the fast happens today, you're not caught off guard, all right? I'm not like put down that scone or that donut, don't go, go throw it up in the garden. If that happens today. So I gave you a little bit of warning, but what we do in January is we take these 21 days and we start our year the right way. We pray and we fast together, and I'm excited to take this journey with you during these 21 days. Now, if you're new to our church, you're probably thinking this is ridiculous. Like, I came to this church. I came and checked some things out. Like, I thought it was kind of cool, so I came back, and now these crazy people are telling me I can't eat for 21 days. Like, I got to just, like, go. So I'm out. Like, this is just weirding me out. I'm done. Just relax, all right? I'm going to explain it. I promise you it will make sense. I promise you it's not weird. It is normal, and it's going to be an incredible discipline for your life. This is not like fringe type stuff. This is something I think every Christian should put into practice. Uh, Something that will be incredible for your spiritual life. So relax, hear me out on it. It's going to help you. Because there is a journey that you walk in your Christian life. We actually say around here that we exist to help you move from where you are to where God wants you to be. There's a journey that you take and we are excited to walk with you along that journey. But really it goes the entire extent of your Christian life this journey that we have. Let me show it to you in Scripture, First Thessalonians. It says this, May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. So a couple of concepts I want you to get today. First one is salvation. Salvation happens when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus. When we call on His name and we trust Him, when we accept His forgiveness, what He did on the cross, salvation happens where we are wiped clean and made new. That's salvation, alright? Your eternity secure in heaven, forgiveness. The Bible says the old life is gone, the new life has come. That's salvation. And salvation, the Bible talks about, it, happens in a moment. You can't work for it, you can't do a lot of good things to get it. It is a singular act that God himself does in our life, that he saves us. This idea of salvation. So you can't earn it, the Bible says it's by grace alone. But then there's this idea of sanctification. Now, sanctification is just a really big word that says you got to stop being your selfish self for the rest of your life. All right. Now that you have been saved, you got to put away the fleshly nature. This thing we have from the beginning with Adam sinning in the garden, this fleshly hardwire we have inside of us to be sinful. So sanctification is the process of working that out, of purifying those parts of our body that lean towards sin, the parts of us that are impure. We surrender that to the Holy Spirit, living more like Jesus That's sanctification. So it's a really big word. It just means, right, you just got to stop being the nasty self. And honestly, this is what the fruit of the Holy Spirit is in our lives, right? This is the disciplining of our bodies. It's bringing in those disciplines that the Holy Spirit brings that we otherwise would not have in our undisciplined life. That's what sanctification is. So what he's saying here is God is actually working within you to accomplish this. This is what he's praying. And so the power to do this, we talked about this last year, is not that you would just try harder. That's not what the Christian life is. It's that God is at work within you. That the Holy Spirit is working within you to sanctify you through and through. That your whole spirit, soul, and body would be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what this verse gives us is some insight uh, into how we should live our lives and some insight into the areas of our lives that need a little bit of purification. Come on, somebody. So a couple of areas of our lives that maybe need a little bit uh, bit of work in us. Jot it down this way if you're taking notes, right? You have a spirit. You are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. So if we're going to separate this thing out, you are a spirit. That's the part of you that communicates directly with God. That's the part of you that will live forever somewhere, depending on the choices that you make, depending on where you put your trust and your faith. You are a spirit. But then you have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. This really connects you with the world around you. So your spirit connects you to God. Your soul connects you, your mind, your will, and emotions to the world around you. And then, of course, you have a body. And that's the part of you that probably most of your New Year's resolutions uh, revolve around. That's the part of you that wants to sleep a little bit more. That's the part of you that wants to eat less junk food. That's part of you that wants to lose a little weight. We all have goals for our bodies. But that's the part of us that we need to subjugate the most. And so the thing that you need to know is in every person's life, your soul and your body are fighting for control of your life. And the Bible is very clear that anytime you allow parts other than your spirit to call the shots in your life, anytime you allow the soul and the body to start to control your life, you are in for a world of hurt. You will create the biggest messes in your life when you allow the second and the third thing on this list to take control when you allow your mind your will your emotions or you allow your body to take control if your soul is in charge and you will be full of your emotional state all the days of your you will be full of anger or rage or jealousy or worry or fear or anxiety when you let the soul call the shots your emotions will take control and listen to me your emotions are never truthful about your life and so when they take control you are in for a mess of epic proportions When you allow your soul to run your life, you will live on a roller coaster every day, not knowing where you're going to land, not knowing how you're going to react. Or if you allow your body to call the shots, it will be full of lust and greed and debauchery and this idea that your body always wants what it wants. And you'll turn into super laziness or undisciplined or you'll allow your life just to be in one big mess. The only way to live at your highest potential, only way to live the life God has called us is if your spirit is in charge. If you allow that part that actually communes with God, the part of you that will live forever anyways, if it's calling the shots, that's where the fruit of the Spirit comes in. That we would bring those disciplines into our life that honestly our undisciplined lives lack. That we don't see too often unless we're actually in commune with God. And so what happens in seasons like the holidays... Or it happens, honestly, all different times throughout the year that we go through seasons uh, where you get really, really busy. Or maybe you walk through adversity. Or maybe uh, something happens that kind of gets our lives out of whack. It kind of lets us kind of get out of balance. And so we have to be very intentional about bringing this thing back to order. It's why we do this in January, this season of fasting and praying. We believe that there are some incredible disciplines we can put into our life. That we have let ourselves kind of, kind of slide a little bit. And maybe we've been spending time uh, with the in-laws. Or maybe we've been spending time with the pie and the cake <laughs> and the food. And maybe we just kind of recognize, okay, my life is getting a little bit out of order. Maybe we've been spending money on things we don't need. Come on, somebody. we got that Amazon just like, like therapy we've been got going on. Everybody, we just don't even know. The boxes are arriving and we don't even know what's in them. Maybe we just let ourselves slide a little bit out of whack. And we've got to get ourselves back to what God has called us to. We'll get a little bit of discipline in our lives. So here in January, man, we're like, okay, life's sliding out of control. Listen, prayer and fasting is the easiest way that I know of to get our lives back under discipline. The easiest way that I know of to get back into control because it realigns us with how God has intended us to live. You want to not let your soul or your body call the shots. Fasting and prayer is the easiest way to say no to the soul and the body, to disconnect us from the world. You say, okay, these things are crowding my life. These, these voices are too loud to actually live the life God has called me to live. You want to silence the voice of the world. It happens with prayer and fasting. This is how we do it. I'm going to teach you how to do that in just a moment. That fasting is what disconnects us from the world. But then prayer is what aligns our spirit with God. So we do these things hand in hand. You say, well, how do I disconnect? You fast. But then you don't just fast. And also prayer is what aligns us. Remember, the spirit part of us is what needs to be connected. The spirit part of us, it what needs to call the shots. And so prayer is what lets us get that under control. Prayer is what actually aligns us back with what God has called us to do. Because you can fast everything in the world and not pray. And all you have is some disciplines you decided to put in your life. That's just a diet, everybody. That doesn't do anything. Most of you give up on that like day three anyway. So we just have to, we have to put these things into practice together. This idea of fasting to disconnect us, silence the voice of the world. And then prayer is what opens us to hear the voice of God. So it's as simple as I can make it. This isn't some deep theological thought. This is, we're going to silence the world. We're going to listen to God. It's what we do in January. So several different ways that you can do it. So we're going to fast because we want to get our body under control, all right? Several different ways that you can fast. And if you're thinking, man, I just got to jump in and drink nothing but water and juice for 21 days, because that's what pastor, just hold on for a second. All right, let's just just relax for a moment, because that is a way to fast. So there is something what's called a complete fast. And so that's where you just drink water or juice the entire time. It's incredibly uh, impactful. This can be a wonderful spiritual, a complete fast is where you don't do anything but water and juice for 21 days and if you have never fasted before let me just pass you for a moment if you've never done any kind of fast before You will die if you try to do this fast. All right? I'm just going to put that. This is not the fast for you. All right? This is not the one to choose. I have met several people who get saved and they are so on fire for Jesus. And they want to jump in both feet. And and I commend that. I am all about radical conversion and following Jesus. But listen to me. You jump into this as your first thing ever. And by day three or day four, we are eating pizza and donuts and crying about our spiritual failure. All right? That is how it works. I'm just going to be honest with you. I have seen it happen. I have done it in college. My freshman year, some buddies and I decided we were going to fast. Come on, somebody. We were going to do it for four days. Just four days. Complete fast. Nothing but water and juice. It was going to be amazing. And listen to me. It was the most unspiritual fast you could possibly... Because all of us were really active at the time. Like, we loved to play sports. Lots of things to do. And... Can I tell you, life came to a crawl for those four days. We did not do anything. We weren't reading our Bibles and praying. We were laying around the dorm talking about food. Come on, somebody. Like, that is all we were doing. And so we would just lay there, and one guy would be like, what's your favorite food? And so he would be like, I like barbecue. And we'd be like, well, explain it. And he would explain the barbecue that he liked, and all of us would just think about it. <laughs> Deeply unspiritual. No, no benefit at all to this fast. And then at the end of it, it came time to break the fast. And we had one buddy... Who worked for a pizza parlor in town? Come on, somebody. Which, while I was writing this sermon, I realized for the first time in 15 years that this guy was making pizzas while he couldn't eat. Like, that's incredible. Like, he's more spiritual than the rest of us. I just can't even imagine. But he had this this incredible pizza discount. And so we thought, why not break the fast with, like, the most amazing pizzas ever? Like, just invent pizza. We had, like, fajita pizza and barbecue chicken pizza and all the great stuff. We had guys going to the store, buying him stuff to bake into the pizzas. Like, 30 pizzas for all of us. It was going to be amazing. We're going to break it. So, listen to me, 96 hours of no food and then 30 minutes of the most... Terrible food you can imagine. And it took us about 10 minutes to realize the mistake that we had made. It was amazing. And so 40 guys were in every bathroom of that dorm throwing up and vowing to never fast again. That's how we ended our amazing fast. And honestly, the only spiritual blessing I got from that is I get to tell the story. That's the only thing I got. So listen to me. Don't set yourself up for failure. Like, don't jump into this thing and then just fail day two or three where you're just like, I will never fast again. This will never happen. God does not love me. This could not Don't do that, all right? This is a fast you can do, but if you're going to do a complete fast, don't talk to me. Talk to your doctor, all right? Go and figure that thing out. You might, if that's on, you got to take your time. Realize what you're getting into if that's the way you have to fast, but that's not the only way that we fast. Then what's more popular is what we would call a selective fast. You might have heard this uh, referred to as a Daniel fast. So there's a lot of times you'll see this in scripture, uh, where certain people will fast at different times of their life. So the way that Nehemiah fasted, or of course, the way that Daniel fasted, where they were cut out food that they really enjoyed, types of food that they would not have for the time, and the purpose of disciplining their body. Remember, if you lose sight of what a fast is for, you will get into all kinds of spiritual mumbo-jumbo without ever having the actual idea. The fast is what disconnects us from the body. It's what disciplines our body. And so what these guys would do in the the idea of a selective fast is you take something that you really enjoy and you cut it out. So for Daniel, it would be, I'm not eating any food. And what Daniel said is, I'm not going to eat any food offered to idols. And so just give me like water and vegetables, and this is what I'm going to live on. And so I'm not going to eat any any rich foods or the food that's on the king's table. And so he cut out those food to discipline his body. And so this is a very difficult fast as well. If you choose to do this, because listen, in a complete fast, in some ways a Daniel fast beats out a complete fast for difficulty. Because complete fast is difficult, but the hunger goes away at some point. Do you understand that? Like eventually it goes away. A Daniel fast, you are hungry all 21 days. Come on, somebody. And carrots only get you so far. Like you get to the end and you're like, can I blend a cheeseburger? Like what can I what can I put into this thing to sustain me? Because you do a Daniel fast. You cut out what you actually enjoy. You have to understand how to do it, how to sustain it. Because you're cutting out the things that your body craves. And you're telling your body, no. Or another part of a selective fast, you would just cut out something maybe that you crave above all other things. So maybe if you are like a chocolate fiend, any of those in the house. You got your family, you got a chocolate Ours, Our is Hava, our youngest, our daughter is, uh, she loves chocolate. And honestly, we don't give her all that much chocolate. Which I think just like adds to the allure of the cocoa bean. That just like seems to be what happens. She just like loves it. So maybe for you, it is a chocolate fast. Maybe that's what you need to do. Some of you are thinking like, no, pastor, not chocolate, broccoli. Broccoli is what I'd like to give up. That's what I'm just, that's I just, I was praying and the Lord said, let's cauliflower in my life. And so that's what I need. Listen to me. If that's what you're doing, you're not going to get a whole lot out of this fast. Unless you are in the 1% that that is your favorite food. And then I apologize to you in the spirit. But otherwise it's something that your body actually craves that you're going to cut out. Something that you're going to take out of your life. The goal is that your body really enjoys it and you're telling your body you're not in charge. It's 21 days. We're going to tell our bodies, you're not in charge of my life. You want a Dorito? You can't have a Dorito. Come on, somebody. You want want a Swiss cake roll? You can't have a Swiss cake roll. The spirit part of me is actually what's in charge. We're telling our bodies. We're telling our bodies. That's the point of the fast. Now, another part, uh, another popular fast is what's called a partial fast. Uh, you might have heard this under the term intermittent fasting. This is where you skip certain meals and so this goes back like the Jewish way of doing this is they wouldn't eat from sun up to sun down so breakfast and lunch you're kind of skipping it wouldn't change the diet of what dinner would be but you're just not eating from when the sun comes up to when it goes down now listen this is not a very difficult fast uh, in the winter time around here that is just, just being honest if you want one that's kind of because really the sun comes up it's about 8am to about noon around here in January how many know like this is this is not a very long fast to do but if that's what you'd like to do a partial where you just say I'm not going to eat breakfast or lunch it doesn't matter what I eat for dinner, but I'm going to wait. And this honestly allows you to have the meal with your family at night. Uh, It's an amazing fast to do, maybe all together. Just an interesting thing uh, if you want to do it. But we're just telling our body you're not calling the shots. We're telling our body, it's just saying, and let me just tell you, if you've never done this before, the moment that you do that, Even if like right now you're starting to think, okay, I'm going to cut this out. And it's like you just, for the first time, you're telling your body, you're not even hungry right now. But you're just telling your body later when you want this. I'm not going to give it to you. The moment you do that, it will be all you think about and all that you crave. It's an amazing thing about, I don't know if it's a spiritual principle or just a psychological one. But the moment you do this, it will be all. And honestly, it is a terrible moment because your body starts to crave it more than you ever did. Which probably is a pretty good sign that something's out of order. And it's a great way to tell, hey, maybe my body is calling more shots than I thought it was. Like, maybe I crave this thing. You'll find that tension inside of you when your body tries to run your life. And I think it's a wonderful discipline where you tell it no. Where you just have a moment. If you've never done that before, I promise you, this is an incredible moment to tell your body, maybe for the first time, no, that you're not in charge of my life. And then I'm calling all of us, all of us to include some kind of a soul fast. And a soul fast honestly may be more impactful and more difficult for you than any of the other things that I have listed. Because a soul fast is where you're disconnecting from those things that keep you connected to the world. And so if it's social media or if it's uh, television or a streaming service or if it's uh, the news for some of you, whatever it is that dominates your soul. Dominates your emotions, dominates the way that you think, whatever that thing is, cutting that out of your life will maybe for some of you, I would venture to guess for a whole lot of you, will do a lot more impact in your spirit life than any of the other things that I've talked about. Cutting those things so fast that you would do. Because some of you are like, Pastor, I will eat the cushion off my sofa if you let me have my phone. Like, I just, I don't care what we, we'll fast everything, Pastor. I'll do the complete fast with water as long as I've got Instagram, as long as you give me that. Which probably is an indicator that you should do the soul fast and not the food one. I'm just throwing that out there to you. Because listen to me, we let these things dominate our lives and we never realize, we never tell our soul no. We can tell our body and we can discipline our body, but we let our soul run wild, it will ruin your life. It will let this impact you in so many ways that you will start to... Because what we do is we'll scroll and scroll and scroll. And listen, you put this discipline into life. You give up the news for 21 days. Come on, somebody. You just, you're shocked. at that. Even, you give up those things for 21 days. Because you just can't imagine if I'm not tuning in to see how the world is going to hell in a handbasket. And how it's coming to... Our country's going to end immediately in Washington right now. Listen, you give up 21 days watching. Listening. I promise you, you come back. The same people will be yelling at the same people. The same problems will be having the same problems. It will be okay. The whole world is not going to end if you choose not to be consumed by it. I promise you do this. You tell your soul, no. No. And listen, it's a difficult fast to do as well. Especially you say, I'm going to give up TV, I'm going to give up sports, or I'm going to give up radio, or whatever it is. I realize it's a difficult, we got a lot of stuff happening, right? We got Washington, Michigan tomorrow night, we got a big game, a lot of playoff implications this afternoon. You pray and decide what God is leading you to do, what you're supposed to give up. But I promise you the thing you're probably supposed to give up, you have been thinking about since I started talking. Whatever that is, is probably what you should sacrifice during the fast, That you tell your soul and your body, no. You find these things that you can cut out. most important part, we're intentional about silencing these parts of our life that really, if we're honest, have gotten too loud. We just, we've we've let them run as far as they want to run. And we come back to January and realize, hey, we've got to silence some things. Intentional about silencing and then intentional about changing the rhythm of our life while we do it. Because listen, you can fast everything in the world and still miss it. I love this verse in Isaiah 58. He says this, why have we fasted? This is Israel talking to God. They're like, why have we fasted and you haven't seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you haven't even noticed? Like, I I feel like I'm putting a lot of work in here, God. Like, I feel like I'm doing a lot of stuff here and you're not paying attention. I don't understand. Like, why am I cutting all these things out and you're not even looking? And God says, yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please. Listen, there's a rhythm of life. You give up all those things, but then you still live the way you want to live and you do the things you want to do. There's no change to your life. You're just fasting in vain. I told you that's just called a diet. But it says you live as you please. Though it's when we fast and pray, we're going to change the rhythm of our life. We're going to be intentional about setting aside extra time now. We're going to pray and we're going to set aside time to worship. We're going to set aside time to get into God's word. This is a chance for us to change some rhythms. You find in these 21 days, Maybe you find somebody that you should be generous and a blessing to. Maybe you find somebody you're supposed to forgive. Come on, somebody. We're going to change the way that we live while we do this prayer and fasting. Now, if you do that, the Bible promises there's a reward. This is pretty cool. Check this out in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said, when you fast. I just want to pause right there, by the way. When Jesus was talking, he spoke with this implication, with this idea. When you fast, not if you fast, not if one day you decide, I'm going to go all in on this. If one day you're like, I'm going to be a radical Christian, I'm going to be kind of fringe, whatever. And I'm going to start to fast. One day I'm going to do it. that's not what he's saying. He's not saying if one day you decide that you're going to be like those crazy Christians. No, he says, if you're a follower of Christ, when you fast... This should be something in your life. So if you've always gone through life thinking, I'm just a normal Christian. I'm just, I follow Jesus. I'm just a normal, I'm not cuckoo like them. And I'm not this like them. I'm just a normal Christian. You should be fasting. All right, everybody just throwing that out. When you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do. I love the Bible. The Bible is as practical as you could possibly. Jesus isn't talking in like high theological terms. He's like, look, when you fast, don't look all sad like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces to show that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So if you jump in on this, and it's going to be an amazing time in January. And we have three weeks, of course, together that we do it. I would encourage you to jump in on this with us. And you decide, this is what I'm going to do. And you make a sacrifice, a big one for your life. If you decide, I'm going to fast. I'm going to give up this thing. I'm going to stop doing this. This is what I'm going to do. And you're getting ready for God to bless you. But the entire time that you're fasting, you're just like, oh, I'm just so tired because I'm fasting. Or you're like at work and you're like, I just don't have the calories to do this because, you know, I'm fasting. Or you're out there and you're like, bro, I just can't lift today because, you know, I'm fasting. Or you're like, that's why I just, I hooked my shot into the woods because I'm fasting. Come on, somebody. First of all, we all know why you hooked that shot into the woods, right? Because you stink at golf. Come on, somebody. That's why you do that. But if you just try like, well, I just, I just can't, I just can't handle it because I'm fasting. I'm just can't." And you just, you think that that person is going to look at you like that's a really big deal. Like, wow, I just can't believe it. I'm just giving up talk radio. I can't believe it. you're not eating food. That's amazing. If that's what you're going for, Jesus says, enjoy it. Cause that's all you get. Come on, somebody enjoy that moment, whatever it is, when they look at you and they're like, wow, I had no idea that you were that spiritual. I had no idea. You're just amazing. You're just the most spiritual. I thought I was spiritual, but you are. So, whatever that is for you, enjoy it, because that's all you get, everybody. That's the only thing that you're going to get out of the fast. If somebody looks at you, is like, that's all you get. But Jesus goes on to say, when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. So it will not be obvious. I underline this. Not be obvious to others that you are fasting. There's a lot of subtle ways that you can do it. You can be like, you know what pastor said. I'm not telling you what I'm doing, but you know, pastor talked about this. And so there's no subtle ways around this. This isn't like, well, if you could just somehow get them to think you might be fasting. He said, it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And watch this, watch what happens. And your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. I don't know about you, but I would way rather be rewarded by God than by people. Like, I'd way rather have God answering my prayer list than have a whole bunch of you think I'm really good at some spiritual discipline. Like, there's nothing in that. I don't know if I can just pop your spiritual bubble for just a moment. There is nothing in that in people thinking, wow, you're really good at fasting. There's no benefit to your life. And I would way rather have God be the one who rewards my life. Way rather have him. So I love the culture of fasting and prayer, but I hate a religious culture that tries to get tied up in the rules of it. And we have fought against this every year that we have done this. Because listen, here's the culture of the church. Culturally, it is okay to like talk with people that you know well and love and talk about, okay, what are you fasting? And what is, what have you given up? And maybe what has been beneficial in your life? I love that. But what I hate are this idea of like, oh, I just can't believe that you're fasting. I didn't know I was more spiritual than you, that I'm fasting this. I had no idea this whole time that I had been following God. I hate that in our church. I hate that for your life. It is the first way to spiritual ruin. This idea of pride in our heart that somehow we fast better than other people. I just want to just culturally, just this idea. And honestly, if you do that, Jesus says, that's the only reward you get. And that is, that is a, If you think about it, that's a pretty bad rap for the sacrifice that goes into fasting. Like, if that's the only thing we get out of it, then give me the Doritos and give me the Swiss cake rolls. Because that's the stinkiest reward I can possibly... That's a pretty low bar for the sacrifice it takes to fast. So don't blow it, All right, I'm just giving you some advice. Don't blow this thing. Make sure you're doing something that really disciplines your life. And then spiritually, corporately, as a church, personally, in your life, watch the blessing that comes... From this season of spirit of fasting. And then we realign ourselves to God's plan. That's what happens in this season of prayer. So we're not only saying no to our soul and our body. Then we're realigning our spirit. This is the part of us that needs to be in control. And so we're going to feed it. This is what we do in prayer together. That this would be the strongest part of our lives. We're silencing the flesh. And I'm just telling you. There are tremendous blessings that come from that. But then we're aligning ourselves with God. So January 7th through the 27th. And really this first week is when we join corporately in prayer. Every night, 6 to 7. Would love to have you. We have this time together on Sundays. And then tomorrow night, Monday night, 6 o'clock to 7. Right here in the sanctuary. And we have a time of worship, a time of teaching, a time of prayer. Individually, corporately. It's amazing because it's so targeted. The way that we're going to pray together. And then we use that as a blueprint the rest of the 21 days. that we begin to pray targeted, intentional prayer, seeking the heart of God, aligning ourselves with Him. If you've never done it, I'd encourage you to come out with us just to have this moment of prayer. It'd be wonderful to have you. We're going to cry out for our families. We're going to cry out for our country. We're going to cry out for our world. We're going to begin to fall on our face and to seek the will of God in our lives. It's an amazing time. Amen, everybody? Revival's going to come. But we have to be faithful in these moments. And we're going to pray like Hosea prayed, where he said, Lord, if we return to the Lord, He will come and revive us. If we return to him, he'll come like the spring rains, like the winter rains. Some of you, you've been dead in your spirit life for a long time. God wants to bring some things alive. You've been kind of just going through the motions, just thinking, this is just what I do. This is just where I go. This is just how we do things. And you wake up after that. It's not a season of life. You wake up and realize this was my life and I missed it. And so we're going to have this season where we realign with what God has called us to be. And I'm just inviting you to take the journey with us. Have this time, these 21 days, just dedicate this. Run the play. Try it. Just see what God will do in your life. When we discipline our body and our soul and we cry out to God in prayer. Now to build some of that momentum, we're going to have to get back to some basics. And so that's what this series we're going to do in the month of January. It's called Back to the Basics. And so next couple of minutes we have, whatever we got left in this service, I just want to talk to you a little bit about this because there's nothing more basic than setting our focus then setting the focus we have for this month, setting the focus for these 21 days of prayer on what's important to life. And I was thinking, how could I simplify this? Like if I wanted 10 minutes of like the most simple, what could it look like? How could I simplify? And I came back to this idea that I would just give you one thing to focus on or I would let you choose one thing. Because here's what happens as a pastor. I'm not like blind to this. I can give you 18 different things that you could focus on and you will smile at me and go eat lunch and do none of them. Come on, somebody. I understand. This is not new to me. So what I thought is I would give you a few things and then tell you, you only get to pick one. In 2024, what is this one thing you're going to focus on? And for all of us, different places on our journey, all of us, it's something different on what we should focus on. All of us maybe have mastered some things and we're really bad at others, whatever it is. But as you come into the new year, pick one thing. One thing that maybe you need to... So I found some giants of the faith that at seasons in their life said one thing. In seasons of their life said, this is the one thing that I'm going to focus. This is the one thing that I ask. And I want to give them to you. Just decide, what is God calling you to do? What are you maybe in a weak area of your life going to choose? So Psalms 27 verse 4. This is David. He said, the one thing I ask of the Lord. The thing I seek the most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Maybe for some of you this year, it's time to prioritize. Maybe that's your one thing that God is calling you to do. David said, a lot of great things I can focus on. A lot of great things I can do. But the one thing I want that I would be in God's house, that I would prioritize, that God would be at the center of your life. For some of you, it is time to prioritize spiritually. That maybe you do a lot of great things that aren't on their face. We can fill up our lives with a lot of stuff that on the face of them is not sinful, but it keeps us from following God and all that he has for us. So maybe for some of you, it's time to focus some energy on spiritually prioritizing your life. Devil would love for you to fill up your schedule with all of these things that choke out the actual calling God has for you. Love for you to be as busy as you could possibly be and you'd miss that thing. Maybe whatever legacy God is calling you to lead, whatever legacy God is calling you to have an impact on the world around you, maybe you got to prioritize. Philippians chapter 3, Paul said this, no, dear brothers and sisters, not achieved it, but I focus... On this one thing. Maybe it's time to prioritize. Maybe like Paul, he says this one thing, forgetting the past. And looking forward to what lies ahead, I press onward to reach the end of the race. To receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Listen, you can hear these two things Paul is saying. He's saying forgetting the past and pressing onward. He said, this is, I'm doing this as one motion. I'm forgetting what lies behind and I'm pressing on to what God has called me to. And so maybe in your life, maybe the one thing, maybe it's time for some of you to let go. Maybe that's what you, you've got in your life prioritized, but maybe you're still living in the things in your past. Maybe the focus of this year is to leave the past in the past and go on to what God has called you to be. Because too many times we let our past overshadow our lives. Listen to me, your past only controls your future if you allow it to. If you let it, if you let it, the things that you've done, the mistakes that you've made, will try to overshadow everything you try to do in your life. Paul said, I forget what's in the past. What you've been through, what you've done, has no say over your tomorrow. Listen to me. You have a chance. God is new every morning. He says, my mercies and my compassions, I wipe the slate clean. I am here to let you live this life that you have been called to live. And too often we let the things that we've done overshadow that. We let them draw us back. Paul said, I forget what's in the past and I press on. Because the Bible says if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old has gone. The new life has come. But sometimes we let the old life choke us out of whatever it is we've been called to do. His mercies are new every morning. You don't have to be defined by your past. Defined by what you did in 2021 or 22 or 23. Listen to me, everybody. God has called you to do something for the kingdom. And so maybe for some of you today, you've got to stop letting your life... Be marked by the people who walked out on you or those who betrayed you or the mistake that you made. You're not defined by your past. Paul says, I forget what's behind. And what we sometimes gloss over is Paul had a lot of failures in his past, but he also had a lot of successes. So when he's talking here, he's not just talking about the mistakes that he's made. He's talking about some of the successes that he had as well. He talks about that in another chapter about how I had all of these great things and I count them all as trash in light of following Christ. He's saying, I forget what is past One of my favorite quotes from Michael Jordan is, success is only success at the moment you are accomplishing something successful. Come on, somebody. The moment that you are actually performing that thing. Listen, it's amazing to have spiritual victories and to have those things that you've accomplished, those things to build our faith on. It's amazing to have that momentum in our life, to have those spiritual victories. That's great. But the people we are called to reach today don't care about the people we reached yesterday. It's just a concept for you. This year, we are called as a church to do some things. And the person right in front of us who is drowning doesn't care we rescued 50 people last week. Just throw me the right raft. Come on, somebody. Like, I think it's amazing to have spiritual victories and momentum that build our faith. But we are called to call on the voice of God in the name of God today. We are called to reach people today. We are called to live in the moment as Christians. That we're called to pray and to fast today. Doesn't matter if we prayed and fasted 20 years past. What matters is we are called to fall on our face and to pray and to fast for our country and for our world today. That we are called to cry out for this moment, for such a moment as this. That's what we're called to do. And so you've been in every prayer service and everything from here to kingdom come. I'm calling you this January. We're going to pray. We're going to fast. We're going to seek the Lord for our land, for our nation. And so it's time to let go. Whatever you thought defined you by your past, by your mistakes or your successes. Maybe it's time to let go. Paul says, I'm leaving it all behind. I'm pressing forward to what God has for me. What's your one thing? What is God calling you in 2024? Luke chapter 10, Mary and Martha. Martha's all busy preparing for a party. I love this story. Because there's, there's stuff to do, right? There's you got to prepare the food. Somebody's got to wash the dishes. Somebody's got to set the table. Martha had a good list. That if you want to throw a party, you have Martha's list. But Mary's just hanging out at Jesus' feet. And so Martha gets kind of mad. She's like, Jesus, tell my sister to come help me in the kitchen. Anybody ever pray prayers like that? Jesus, just work on them to come help me. Come on, Lord, just do something. And Jesus looks at her and he's like, there's only one thing worth being concerned about. A lot of stuff you're doing, Martha. And yeah, it maybe needs to be done for the party to happen. And maybe that's something, but there's just one thing that you need to be concerned about. And Mary has discovered it and it's not going to be taken away from her. And maybe there's one thing to be focused on. You know, I think the tragedy in modern day culture is we miss the moment. We go through these types of things and we just miss every moment and what it should actually be about. We're so consumed by all the things that are around us. We're never present for the actual moment. And you see this work out in your life. Maybe you're at home or like the kids are finally home and they want to talk about their day or the things they walk through or the pressures of their life. And you're too busy, like loading the dishwasher or scrolling emails or Instagram or loading the laundry or whatever. We're just too busy to be in the moment and we miss it. And we're too busy. And Jesus is saying, look, all that stuff is important. But there's one thing, one thing that Mary has. There's one thing. Look, there's always be time for that. There are times that we have to focus on the presence of God. All those things are important. Now, this, I know you have to live your life. I know that you go to work. I know that we, we have sustained. you got to go to the practice and do the thing, all the stuff. But in January, we come back to this idea that maybe there's only one thing that's important. That we would be focused on spending time in the presence of God. That we wouldn't let all of these other things, that yeah, we get them done. But we wouldn't let them choke out what the one thing, the important thing. And I think in order to do that, we just have to slow down. So maybe you have your life prioritized. Maybe you've done all these things. Maybe you're, you're living the life you're called to live. Maybe you're doing those. But maybe you've just ramped this thing up where you're missing the one thing. Where we just have to slow down. Mary said, I'm going to sit here for a minute. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Mary figured it out. That God himself, his presence was there. And the Scripture says, don't fall for the lie. Don't fall for the lie, man. You just got to hustle and you just got to keep the plate spinning. You just got to keep running. You just got to keep loading up the schedule. You just got to keep doing more and more and more. Just keep ramping this thing up. Don't fall for the lie that you just got to get through this because it's just a season. I promise you, you will wake up 30 years later and realize that wasn't a season. That was your whole life. And you missed it. And you missed it and you didn't prioritize and you didn't focus on the presence. You didn't have the revelation from the Lord. You didn't do the thing he called you to start. You didn't impact the world he called you to do. we got to slow down. So I don't know, again, each of us picking, what's your one thing? For some of us, I would venture to say a whole lot of us, we got to slow down. Mark chapter 10, last one. Here's the rich young ruler that comes to Jesus. And listen, this guy has jumped through all the hoops. He's done all the things he was supposed to. He's checked all the boxes, crossed all the T's, dotted all the I's. He's done everything religious he was supposed to do. Kept the whole law. Done everything he was supposed to. And looking at him, he comes to Jesus. And he asks him, what more can I do? And looking at him, Jesus felt genuine love for him. he said, there's still one thing you haven't done. One thing I need you to do. I need you to go. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. Go sell everything you've got, all your possessions. Why? Not because he had stuff, but because his stuff had him. Jesus looked at him and loved him and realized. Jesus saw the hold this stuff had on him. He's like, one thing you need to do. This thing that is choking out your... You have done all the religious stuff, but listen to me. You got something that's choking out your life. Something that's got such a hold on you. And Jesus said, this one thing you're lacking, go sell it all. Go sell it all and come and follow me. See, this young man, he'd never truly surrendered. he never actually surrendered. Maybe it's time for you to give up something. Maybe there's one thing that you're like, God, I will follow you as long as I can just like hold on to this. God, I will do everything you've asked. I will follow every word in your word. I will do it all, God. As long as I can keep this. Maybe this year... Maybe that's something you need to surrender. Maybe that's your one thing. Because you've decided, well, I'll follow the Lord. I'll do all of this as long as I can hang on. Listen, He is either Lord of all or He's not Lord at all. He will not take second place. He wants your entire life. And so maybe it's time to surrender. What's your one thing? For some of us, it might be discipline or it might be a rhythm of life. For some of us, it might be choosing things to simplify or maybe it's just faith. It's a season to step out and believe God. I don't know what it is. All of us at different places on our journey. But I'm just saying, pick one thing. What's your one thing for 2024? What are you going to change? What is God calling you to? Which one resonated with your heart? But you say, that's what I want to do. And here's my prayer for you as we close, is that God would give you spiritual wisdom and insight. The voice of Paul in Ephesians. Spiritual wisdom and insight. So you might grow in your knowledge of God. He goes on to say, that we live lives that are focused and clear, understanding all that God has called us to do. Bow your heads with me as we pray today. Father, I just want to pray that God would give us a focus. And he would show us maybe one thing that we're lacking, one thing that we're missing. Some of us, we got a hundred different things. I'm saying right now, just pick one. One thing that I'm going to do in this new year that's going to actually set me on a path after God, that I'm, during this time, I'm going to fast, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to do one thing. I'm going to prioritize spiritually, make sure God's at the center. I'm going to let go of some things in my past, failures or successes. I'm going to run after him in everything that he's called me to do. What's your one thing? Is it to slow down and be in the presence of God? Or is it like the rich young Is there something you haven't surrendered? Is there something that you need to lay at the feet of God and leave there once and for all? I just want to pray for you today. Before I do that, I want to give an invitation though because some of you, all of those things resonate, but really what you need to do before all of that, you realize you're, you're sitting here and you realize that you're as far from God as maybe you've ever been in your life. And listen to me, I don't know how you got there. Maybe you blamed God for something that happened. Or maybe you walked through some adversity or maybe you did something that you felt disqualified you from the love of God. I so I don't know how you got there, but I do know how you get home. And as the Bible says that God is near to you, you feel like he's a million miles away, I promise you, he is near to those who call on his name. And he loves you. He loves you more than you could possibly imagine. And so maybe you're looking for answers or maybe you're searching. Maybe that's why you're here today. First Sunday of the year, you're just looking for answers. Or you click the link and you're watching online and you're just trying to figure this whole thing out. Listen, God put that inside of us, that yearning, that longing for eternity, that we would look for him. And so maybe in this moment, you have disqualified yourself a hundred times over. And in your own mind, you are thinking, well, this is just too much. God could never love me. Listen, He loves you more than you could possibly. I don't care what anybody has ever said to you. God loves you and He wants you. And so right now, I want to give you an opportunity. I'm not asking you to stand up or come to the front. I'm not looking to embarrass you in front of the people that you came with or anything. That's not what my heart is. I just want to give you an opportunity to surrender. Maybe that's your one thing. I can't think of a better Sunday than the first Sunday of the year to surrender your life, and you can do that right now. I'm not asking you to join a church. I ask you to give anything. I'm not asking you. That's not. I'm not asking you to do anything like that. I'm saying right now you can meet Jesus. Right now you can surrender your life. Right now your eternity can be secure in Him. And so that's you. If you want to pray that prayer, our church has dedicated ourselves. It is our honor to pray this prayer with every person who wants to pray it. And I can give you the words to it, but you have to surrender. You have to say these words. But right now, church, let's pray with those. If that's you, you say, I've run from God, or maybe you've never known him. But you say, I'm ready to come home. If you want to pray that prayer, pray it with us as a church. Say these words, say, Jesus, forgive me. Of all of my sin, of all my mistakes, I surrender. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again. And I make you the Lord of my life in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray, God, as we start this year, as we pray and we fast, Lord, as we seek out those things, as we choose the one thing we're going to focus on. Father, I pray, let your presence rest with us. Lord, give us the strength as we choose things to give up. Give us the strength as we silence our body and our soul. Lord, give us the strength to say no to some of these desires, these things that have tried to take over our lives, these voices that cry too loud. Let us silence them. Father, as we seek your face, let us hear the voice of God. As we get into your word, let us see your plan for our lives. As we listen to the heart of God, let us make an impact on our world like we have never seen before, because today is the day of our salvation. Today is the day that you have called us to make a difference. Lord, we put the past in the past, and we seek your face. We cry out for you. Lord, let us focus. Let us put the right thing in the first of the order. Let us seek your faces at church, and we thank you for the blessing and the reward that you pour out on those that seek you. We pray it all in Jesus' name. And all God's church said, Amen and amen. Come on, church, can we give God praise for what He's done today? Hey, listen, before you.